Hello and welcome to the Dog Hang. A podcast series you can listen to while walking the dog. We're recording the introduction to today's podcast um, a little while after we've actually completed the podcast and we've done some editing. We had a a small technical issue with the recording of the audio from my side so you may notice um, the poor audio quality can assure you that is a is a one-off we've identified the root cause and that will be better in future podcasts Uh, but it's a great podcast nevertheless it's an interview with uh, Megan from cotswoldspaniels.com Megan's a blogger and photographer and uh, she's currently promoting a raw food diet for dogs which she's very passionate about hopefully you'll enjoy what she's got to say So today joining me on the podcast is Megan from the Cotswoldspaniels.com. Um, hi Megan, how Hello, are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Um, you've took the dogs out for a walk this morning already? No, not this early. Not, <laughs> They're not lazy early. ones, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what time do you usually take them out for a walk? Um, depends really what sort of day we're having, but yeah, usually the best part of the day for the weather, so we stay dry, they're not a fan of the rain. They don't like the rain? No, no, not a fan it's of the rain. unusual for spaniels. <laughs> they like water, but anything that falls from the sky, suddenly that's a different kind of wetness. Ah, I see. So how many spaniels do you have? So I've got two. Woody is a working cocker, and then Wilma's a cockapoo, so she's half spaniel, but don't tell her that. She doesn't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up, did you have dogs? No, I didn't have any really. We I looked after everyone else's and always wanted one, but Woody was my first dog and I got him eight years ago. Wow, okay. And what, what made you decide to get Woody? I think just around us there's spaniels everywhere and we were always looking after spaniels, so I fell in love with working cockers and we went to pick him up. Fantastic. Um... So you didn't have them as a child? No. No. Did anybody, but you did in the family. There was dogs in the family. They were around as you were growing yeah, up. Yeah, and we live in like a nice country village, so everyone has spaniels. We're always looking after neighbours and friends. And then you got to right. hand them back. <laughs> yes, this is the problem when you have to hand them back. <laughs> yeah. Although some people say that's the benefit when you're looking after somebody else's dog. Oh, you don't yeah, have to you do don't all get the, all the bad bits. <laughs> that's it. You just get the good bits. <laughs> Um, so you got Woody eight years ago. Yes. And he's just a pet dog. Yeah, yeah, he, he was bred as a gun dog, but I never went down that route. He does agility for his job. But yeah, okay. He's perfect. And is that competitive agility? Yeah, we do do it competitively, but he just has the best time. He doesn't really take it seriously enough. <laughs> well, it's always fun for the dog, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> And so do you go to any competitions for that? Do you go to Crofts? Is there any... Yeah, we compete most weekends just at local, um, not obedience, agility shows. And then we've competed at Crofts three years in a row. Um, wow. With just with me and Woody and our team, but we've not done it for a while now. But yeah, that okay. was a, a lovely experience. It was so much fun. How did you get into that? Just through my club, there's we did a team, so a group of us go together to a qualifier, and then you qualify for the finals at Crafts, right. and you just go round together, and it's such a good day out. And Woody loves it. Yeah, he squeals the whole way round and makes everyone <laughs> know that he's there. 
does Wilma do anything along those lines? Yeah, she does agility as well. They're like chalk and cheese. She's slow and steady, whereas he's fast and out of control. <laughs> but yeah, they both do agility. Okay, fantastic. And obviously you've set up your blog, your website. Yeah. And how long ago did that start? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think probably three or four years ago I set it up. We've been on Instagram for a bit longer than that. And Woody slowly took over my Instagram and had turned it into his account. And then I wanted somewhere where I could share posts in a bit more detail rather than just an Instagram caption. So I started right. the blog when we could write about places we've been, things that we love, just so people yes. could read a bit more into it. Okay. So your blog started, Woody would have been four at this point. Yeah, three or four, I reckon. Three or four. And how old's Wilma? Wilma's three now, so um, we got her three years ago and Woody was five, and right. she joined into Instagram and blog and was a good addition to that, so we could get out more and do more things with two dogs this time. And the, the whole driver behind that was that you were able to go into a bit more detail when yeah. you wanted to talk about the dogs yeah, than you could and on social media. Yeah, share more photos at the same time as well, because on Instagram you can't always put enough information on the post. Right. And I like working with other companies and sharing more detail for them, and they, you can link straight to their website so people can check them out as well. Very good. Do you, so do you have a day job in addition to the blog? So Is the blog a hobby? Yeah, well, I'm a photographer full-time, but it sort of crosses over with the blog. So I work with a lot of businesses and companies, but then on the side I can photograph them for the blog and write about them. So, yeah, it sort of crosses over. It's a perfect mix. Yeah. So you're, tell me about what your average day entails. I don't really have a normal day like most people. I sort of work every single day of the week because I can't help myself. <laughs> but say this week, because the weather's a bit all over the place, the beginning of the week I've been out shooting most days whilst it's dry and sunny. And then as the weather will change and it might be a bit windy or stormy later on in the week, I'll do more admin and maybe write a few blog posts, retouch the photos and then just email and talk to my clients. So oh, yeah, it depends really. That's amazing. I think that's most people's dream job. <laughs> yeah, I do love so, it. And so do, I, I assume that makes it quite seasonal as well? Yeah, definitely. So in the summer you're a lot busier because say January, February time, it's cold, it's wet, it's muddy. You don't really want to go outside and take photos. No. Yeah, so it's definitely... So it's seasonal. more blog time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to have a bit of both. So I might be working seven days a week now, but in January I'll have a couple of weeks off and I can just relax with the dogs. Well, that's, yeah, like I say, a dream job, I yeah. think, for most people, yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you think's made you successful with the blog? I don't know, I sort of just started it for a place for me to write or create memories so I can document trips we've been on and it just happened that lots of people like to read it as well so I was lucky in that sense and on Instagram we sort of just grew followers over the years I always will carry on sharing what I love it doesn't matter what other people think but it's a bonus that they like seeing my soggy spaniel photos or what the dogs get up to so it sounds like authenticity yeah. is, is what's 
driven success there it's not forced it's just something that you were really interested in passionate about yeah it's easy to get carried away and you think oh I've not posted on Instagram today but then I think no I'll just take the dogs out I'm not bothered (laughs) you just gotta relax from it because you can get sucked into social media sometimes yes yes well we've we've just created our uh, blog in the last three or four weeks yeah and uh, it's amazing what a black hole social media can become. Yeah, yeah, you can lose so many hours of your day. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you created the blog, obviously you were doing it from a place where you, it was a passion project. Yeah. But was there other things out there that you were looking up to that, that was like a, either mentors or things that had been set up um, already that you thought, yeah, that's a good template? Um, I think it's tricky because on social media there's no one that's exactly the same as you, so it's not like you can, you're just going to follow one person and think, yeah, they're doing it right, but you take bits from different people, like, oh yeah, that's, I love that, I really want to take that and put it into my work, or I'm inspired by this photo, or whatever, so sort of, I love country and lifestyle blogs and people on Instagram that document not only their dogs, but their life and their job. So it's a bit of everything mixed into one, really. A collage, a mosaic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. And if you had any advice, if there was somebody out there who's thinking of doing something similar, what would be your advice? It would definitely be just be yourself and just enjoy it. If you force it, you're not going to get very far. You just want to wake up every day and think, oh, yeah, I'll go take a photo of this. Or just on a walk, you think, oh, that's a really nice spot with the sun behind them. So, yeah, just take it as it comes. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Great advice. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's find out a little bit more about Woody and Wilma. Yeah. We know that they like agility. Yeah. What other stuff are they into? Um, definitely water. If you went anywhere near a river or lake, Woody, again, screams with, with excitement. <laughs> he loves it. Um, we have uh, quite a few animals. I've got, I breed chickens, so Wilma absolutely adores them. When I get chicks, she'll just guard them like a mother chicken. <laughs> she loves fluffy things. But, yeah, anything outdoors, really. We're always out in fields, woodlands. I don't think they could be city dogs, but they love it round here. So oh, you're you out in now? the Cotswolds, obviously, name of the blog. Yeah. Um, they're all right with livestock and so on. They're just very used to it. Yeah, yeah. I think just being brought up around them, they get used to them. Obviously, in fields of sheep and cattle, you put them on the lead anyway. But they're totally used to it. Ah, okay, yeah. My my dog's an Airedale Terrier. Oh. Um he has a very high prey drive, so actually walks in the countryside. <laughs> Be a oh, nightmare. <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. yeah. He's a city dog. Yeah. Well, I think um, mine, if you took them to the city, they'd be like, what's a bus? What's a tube? <laughs> <laughs> they'd be overwhelmed. Um, and mine was a puppy. We have the, the street sweepers, do you know, like the yeah. little motorised ones. Um, he saw that for the first time and he was like, mind blown what is it so we had to follow the road sweeper for two weeks every morning until he got used to it and thought oh yeah it's just the road sweeper 
things we do for our dogs, eh? It's insane. <laughs> um, so what what do you love the most about Woody and Wilma? Oh, hard to pinpoint it. Um, I don't know, you can just, have more than one. Yeah, well, they're with me every day. They're always at home. They're really lazy. They'll just keep me company. Um, yeah, they just stick by me all the time. They go everywhere with me, really. So companionship. Yeah, sort of the best yeah. friends you could ever have. Yes, this is true. <laughs> um, and what about pet peeves? Is there anything they do that really gets on your nerves? Well, I don't know if you can hear them now, but the postman's outside and they're barking at him. I, I could vaguely hear them <laughs> yeah. in the background, yes. <laughs> they can hear him from the bottom of the road, which is like two minutes away, and they wait <laughs> until he gets to our house. <laughs> so yeah, that's my pet peeve. I could try really hard and train them out of it, but it's every day and I wouldn't hear the doorbell otherwise, to be honest. <laughs> so they're, they're actually doing you a favour? Yeah. They're alerting you somebody's Yeah, says. I've forgotten what the doorbell sounds like now. <laughs> Um, so there, just, I know you've already said this, but Woody's a cocker spaniel. Yeah, he's a working cocker, so there's two types, so he's a bit skinnier, less fluffy, and a bit more energetic. Yes. And then Wilma's a, um, cockapoo, but she's crossed with a show cocker instead, so right. I've got a bit of both, so I can see the differences in both breeds. But and with a bit of poodle mixed in yeah, as well, which is definitely smart. The poodle compared to a spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> so the intelligence of the poodle shows through. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like to think so sometimes, but she doesn't act like it every day. <laughs> and so, cocker spaniels. Would you say they're your favourite breed? I mean, you kind of have to, don't yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. Your, I think working your... cockers will always be my favourite breed to have. So if down the line if you were to get more dogs they would always be cockers yeah definitely i don't think i'd rule out anything else but for my next dog i definitely want it to be another working cocker another working cocker and what do you think makes them such a fantastic breed what kind of characteristics um for me i just like that they're always ready to go and you can go out and do things I don't really want a lazy dog that prefers to sleep at home. I'm like, let's go for a walk, let's go train, let's do something exciting. They're always willing to go. So it's activity levels. Yeah, which for some people won't suit their lifestyle and that's not for others. But for me, I love it. No, that's what whippets and greyhounds are for. They, they sleep like 23 <laughs> exactly. hours a day. I'm, I'm led yeah, to they're like a like, cat. <laughs> like a cat, yes. Yeah. Um... So, more broadly, we know now what your favourite thing is about cockers. What's your favourite thing about dogs in general? Uh, definitely their companionship and the, their love towards you. I've fostered quite a few dogs and they could have had the worst upbringing or life, yet they absolutely adore everyone and they're just so forgiving and they love you for it. So who have you fostered from? Is that from a local... Um, I fostered for a couple of spaniel rescues. There's quite a few independent ones. So instead of going to kennels, they go to people's homes and uh, live in real life, basically, rather than a concrete kennel. So they come to you and you have them for a couple of weeks to assess them before they go up for adoption. So it's a nice way to have another dog, but then they move on to their next life and you help them along the way. That's fantastic. And, and they are, are they all local to you? No, no. So... Um, there's 
Spaniel Assist Rescue and Rehoming and Spaniel Aid UK, they're two quite big ones in the UK and they just cover the whole of Britain really. So say a dog comes up in Scotland, they'll find somewhere in Scotland for them to go or they'll transport them with the volunteers. So I've had them from all over really, Nottingham and Wales, you just pick wow. them up, yeah. So they've got volunteers that literally drive a dog from Scotland down to the Cotswolds yeah, or, for foster? Yeah, or a couple of people that meet up along the way. Yeah, people are so helpful and kind. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So uh, one question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is if you were Prime Minister for the day, what one dog-related thing would you make mandatory? This is quite recent and in the news a bit. Um, there's a new law, hopefully, people are signing a petition for, called Fern's Law, which is to make microchip scanning mandatory and checking that they're actually registered to the microchip that it says online. Um, yes, I've seen this. Yes, there's a, another Cocker Spaniel called Fern who was stolen six years ago, and I think maybe it was last month she was found, scanned, and reunited with her owners after six years. But wow. if she'd have been to the vets for her jabs or if she'd been groomed, they might not have scanned her and actually checked that that number went with the owner. So if they'd have done that, maybe she'd have been found earlier. It's just something that they want to make mandatory, and I totally agree with it. Yeah, that sounds like a sensible thing to do. So that what they'd do is if on their annual injections, they would scan. Yeah, which most vets do. Like, I take my dogs to the vets for a vaccination or sometimes at agility shows you get measured and they scan. They check they have a chip, but that chip could belong to anyone. They don't then check that it's to me, to Megan, and I'm their owner. Yeah, I don't think my vet does scan, actually. Oh, really? It's definitely a good thing to do. Not that I've noticed. Yeah, because often the chips can move as well, so... If I go in for just a routine check, I ask them to check it's still there because they can move around the body or you might have to have it redone because you'll never know if your dog accidentally runs off. You want yes. to make sure they definitely have a chip that can be read. Ah. Has your dog ever run off? No, thank goodness. That'd be my worst nightmare. Have oh. you ever lost them for any period of time? No, I don't think I have. I'm often out... Um, looking for other people's dogs that come up on Facebook that have just run off or escaped from the dog walker, but that would be my worst fear if they ever ran off. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. I lost our dog for about an hour. Oh, and it feels like forever. Uh, yeah, it, but it was in the winter. Oh. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, and it's so cold. So it was just about to start getting dark. Oh, no. Um... And he just basically made his way back to the river and followed another family and their dog around. Oh, well, at least he had sense to stick with them. Yes. Oh. Yes, but he didn't have the sense to hear me whistling. <laughs> they were much more exciting than you, obviously. Well, obviously, <laughs> yeah. It was probably the rabbit or squirrel that he'd seen that was the oh, most interesting. Yeah. Oh, at least you got him back. Yes, yeah, that's the important thing. Um... So the, the, the follow-up to that question is what one dog-related thing would you outlaw? So it would probably be flexi-leads or Y-shaped harnesses. Both I'm just not a fan of. <laughs> okay, so tell me about those. What's so, I, I have a bug with the flexi-lead myself, yeah. but I'm interested to hear your 
So they're great. I get why people use them because your dog might not be too good at recall. And like we were just saying, you don't want them to run off and get lost. But um, the mechanism is that they pull, if you haven't heard of them before, they pull on it and it gets longer and then you can just wind it back in. But it teaches them that if they pull on it, it will get longer and they can go explore that tree over there. But when you're on a road and you don't want them to pull on it, they're still pulling on the lead. It teaches them to pull whatever lead they're on. But also, say you're by a busy road and you're having it shorter, it can often break and they'll pull and run out into the road. And I know so many people whose dogs have died because the lead's broken and they've run out into danger, whatever, and the car hits them. Whereas if they'd have just had a normal lead on, it could have been avoided. So that's a big bugbear of mine. Right, okay. I knew the first bit about it teaching them to pull. Yeah. I'd never heard of it breaking yeah. and uh, it resulting in deaths that's it's just horrendous. yeah not nice you can easily avoid it because my foster dogs can never be off the lead but you can just get long lines that trail on the ground behind them and you do get tangled up and a bit muddy but <laughs> yes. you just grab the other end and then you can put a shorter lead on when you need to go for a normal lead walk yeah yeah well, but I, I totally sensible. understand why people use them because they are easy yeah no, I'm not a fan. I'm with you on that one, I think. Yeah. It's just about educating people. And then the second people, really. one... Yeah, second one oh. was um, non-Y-shaped harnesses. So this has been on social media quite a lot recently. Emily from Devil Dude Designs started a campaign showing people the dangers of them, really. So a non-Y-shaped harness often has a band across the dog's shoulder. So a brand people might know is Julius Canine Harnesses. That's like a classic shape where it goes around their chest and then across their shoulder and there's a big handle on their back. Right. So when the dog's walking and just the normal backwards and forwards motion of their legs, they can't extend it as far because the band's covering that shoulder. So they can get shoulder injuries or they just start walking strangely. And if they obviously have that every single day of their life, it can lead to permanent damage so you can easily switch to y-shaped harnesses which is um just a band along the stomach instead of across the side over their shoulder and so their legs can fully extend they can run around have a great time and they're much healthier for them really okay do your dogs wear harnesses they do and they don't they don't really wear anything when they're off the lead just so they don't get tangled up and wet or muddy but say we're at a show or something and they're on the lead all day they definitely wear harnesses then, just because it's comfier for them. It's not pulling on their neck the whole time. It's just better if we're standing around or on the lead, short lead for a while. Okay. So you generally, do you find that the harnesses are more comfortable for longer on-lead sessions? Yeah. yeah, if you're on the lead for a long time, I definitely think so. Because if you imagine it, you'd rather have your whole body in a harness than something pulling just on your neck, especially if your dog doesn't walk to heel you don't want that around their neck the whole time you'd rather it be spread across their body okay uh, mine, mine's not a big fan of harnesses oh yeah tends to look at it and go what's <laughs> on, on my back <laughs> and refuse to walk uh, well he doesn't refuse to walk necessarily but he does look very confused they often don't like it going over free. their heads either some don't like that if he goes no. over their ears yeah yeah, he's all right with it going on. Oh, good. Um, he does wear one anyway, yeah. There's, we've got one where you can put the water 
backpacks. Oh, he can carry his own baggage. He can carry his own water. Oh, that's good. And it's extra tiring. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, sleeps better at the end. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay, so having looked at your blog, you've currently got a post up about raw food. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about raw food and what your aims are? So I've been raw feeding for a year now, changing my dogs over to it. And we've just started a campaign on the blog and on our social media called Raw Feeding Fortnite, which is where I want to encourage dog owners to try raw feeding for two weeks and see the short-term benefits and how easy it is. Then if it's not for them, they can just stop and go back to their other food, but they'll have given it a good go and they'll see an improvement, hopefully, in their dogs. Okay, and what got you into that? So I've always wanted to try it. I've seen other people feeding it and over the years it's become more accessible and easier for dog owners to feed it. Like a lot more shops stock raw food now and it's a lot easier to have delivered to your house. So it's becoming a bit more of a trend because people see how healthy it is for your dogs and it's sort of what they naturally have in the wild. Mm. And is there any blockers to people adopting a raw food diet? So there's always the people who say how bad it is and try and discourage you against it. But I think they're often the ones who haven't tried it themselves. So you can be a, you can not like it, that's absolutely fine. But as long as you've tried it and you've seen how to feed it. So often storage is a big thing. So I have a separate freezer in the garage just for their food. And it's a bit of a hassle because you need to get it out a day before and defrost it, which if you forget, you have some very grumpy dogs. <laughs> um, another thing people worry about is hygiene, because obviously it's raw food. You wouldn't want to prepare raw food near yours or be ill. So, But it's actually easier than you think. So it comes, I feed completes, so they come in tubs and you just scoop it out from that into your dog's bowl and you weigh how much they have each meal. Then those bowls go straight in the dishwasher. I haven't touched anything else in the kitchen, so the complete box goes back in the freezer and I just wash my hands. So as long as you have a bit of basic hygiene, you're absolutely fine. Okay, what sort of raw food is going into the complete? So I feed Cotswold Raw because it's local to us and it's a lovely company. So they each complete meal is a different flavour, so you can have beef, chicken... Um, I've got to remember them all now. I think they do pheasant and duck and turkey. So you'd, you'd pick one, you'd feed it, and it has everything they need. So it might have eggs in there, vegetables, um, offal and bone. So Cotswold Raw do all the hard work for you. They work out what your dogs need, and it's all mixed in there. So all you have to do is scoop it out into the bowl without worrying if they've got enough of this, enough of that. It's all done for you. Oh, that sounds very convenient. Yeah. I must admit, actually, the the raw chicken thing would be a thing that that would concern me. Like yeah. beef, lamb, fine. Yeah, and I think, yeah, a lot of people do worry about that, but you don't even have to touch it. It goes straight in their bowl, and my dogs aren't going to leave anything. <laughs> they wouldn't dare leave things behind, so they just eat it straight away. So it's easier than you think, because it did put me off the thought of that, having raw food in the house. But, you know, it's very easy. And the dogs don't get ill? They don't get... No, absolutely not. 
because um, in the wild they wouldn't have meats cooked for them or processed into kibble. If you think of a wolf, they'd find an animal and they'd eat it raw. Of course. As gross as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the dogs, they think they're in heaven. They're like, oh, wow, we get this. Because it's less, they don't have to chew the crunchy kibble biscuits, which they yeah. weren't very excited about. I wouldn't be if you had that every meal. Um, yeah, so this is very exciting to them, and they, would, they wouldn't turn it down, and they, they look forward to dinner time now, which is nice. Fantastic. So the dogs love it. Yeah, definitely. And you see all the benefits really quickly, which is nice. So what sort of benefits are you looking at? So if you were to try it for two weeks, you'd notice that your dog is going to poo less because although it, you put more food into them because they need a bit more raw than they would kibble, all that goodness is being absorbed into their bodies. So unlike kibble, which they can't process, a lot of it comes out the other end. So on a raw diet, they're going to poo smaller poos and they're going to poo less frequently, which is something that you'll notice straight away, which I was mesmerised by. I was like, what? That's all they've done? <laughs> Very easy to pick up when you're out on a walk as well. And um, a lot of dogs that have anal gland problems, because their poos are now firm, because they're on a good diet, they no longer have problems and you don't have to go to the vets or have any expensive vet bills. Um, other short-term things you'd notice was their breath gets a bit better because the raw doesn't stick to their teeth like dry biscuits would, so there's no build-up of plaque, which is what you can smell when they have bad breath. Ah. So yeah, there's lots of benefits. And then long-term, their coat would get healthier and shinier. Any allergies they have, um, maybe like they have itchy skin, that would reduce or go completely. They'd have more energy if they're really lazy and laid back or if they're a bit hyper it would calm them down because there's no chemicals or strange things going into their food anymore that all sounds fantastic i don't know why anybody <laughs> wouldn't do it yeah and now it's so easy to do there's so many companies with loads of information on their websites for you to read about you can just have a go. So if people are joining in our raw feeding fortnight, they can just put a post up of their dog eating it or preparing their meal. So if they use the hashtag or tag us in their Instagram stories, then they get entered into um, a giveaway with Cotswold Raw. So they're giving away a big campers of food to three lucky people. So if you share it, you'll get entered into the raffle. And then at the end of the month, once it's all over, we'll pick out the winners and they'll get raw food for a couple of weeks which would be really helpful well there's an incentive yeah <laughs> so you said to tag the hashtag yes the hashtag is hashtag raw feeding fortnight or if they just tag our account on instagram or twitter it's at the Cotswold spaniels and it just comes up on my story and i'm trying to share as many of them as i can without annoying all my followers with this spam <laughs> <laughs> but it's just showing loads of people just giving it a go for the first time and realizing oh, it's actually quite easy and my dogs really love it which is really good and that competition runs for the whole throughout of, august yeah the whole of august we're doing it for the whole month so Fantastic. you can walk feed whenever you want but it's just this two weeks at a time we're just helping and others are encouraging each other to give it a go and hopefully their friends will then see and they'll want to join in so yeah and soon everybody will be on a raw food diet <laughs> hopefully be the healthiest dogs ever <laughs> okay well th thank you very much for coming on the podcast thank you for having me
I guess we just encourage listeners to go and get involved uh, with the raw food diet. Um, you've already given your Instagram handle. Yeah, at the Cotswold Spaniels. Is it the same on Twitter? Uh, I think it's at Cotswold Spaniel. Just no S on the end. But either way, I, all the social links will be on your website. Yes, it's all on the blog. And that's thecotswoldspaniels.com. Yep, that's it. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, enjoy your week. (laughs) Thank you.